Welcome to the next episode of Human Up Podcast. My name is Nathan Gangadine, and um, it's been a little while since I've I've offered uh, another insight and um, what I like to call meditation, because as opposed to um, just delivering information, like telling you about what I'm talking about, the idea with these podcasts is more to be a journey. So as I'm speaking, it's inviting you along for the ride. And and if you stay with me, if you follow my logic, it's not about accumulating information, but rather um, getting your mind in a zone, a zone of coherence. And in that space, we can um, uncomplicate so many of life's issues and so many of what so many of the things that makes life <laughs> confusing and difficult and um, frustrating and uh, even scary or um, anxiety-causing, stress-causing, all of these things. We know that stress, for example, is uh, whatever, whatever um, elements are involved, stress is most definitely uh, the, the greatest or one of the greatest um, threats to our health. Um, and we think of stress management really as a matter of avoiding stressful situations, right? So in other words, we automatically place ourselves in a mindset. We don't know that we're doing this. It's just so standard practice that, um, we can't help it. So the idea is, if I'm going to not feel stressed, nobody likes stress, right? Um, I mean, maybe, uh, you know, of course the word stress can be taken as like, you know, the stress that's put on one's muscles when they're lifting is a good kind of stress that helps you build muscle or whatever. So just, just to be clear, we're not going to, you know, start nitpicking about what that word en uh, encompasses. But um, obviously, I mean, stress in terms of that feeling of it can take on many different kinds of flavors, uh, fear, anxiety, um, worry, uh, frustration and anger, um, things like that, that if we were to, to maybe study the biological profile of a person in that moment, chemical profile, uh, I don't know how it all works. I don't, I'm not going to pretend like I'm a, I'm an expert, but I know enough to know that, um, there are just like there's uh, chemicals and, and uh, reactions in the body that are associated with pleasure and euphoria, like dopamine, um, for example, uh, there are also obviously going to be, um, uh, there's going to be a chemical profile to uh, stress, somebody who's in stress and somebody who's worried and somebody who's anxiety ridden and, and all of this. And so it's, it, and so obviously what we want, we want to not even feel that stress, but what we think we need to do in order to avoid it is to, again, create a life situation where we don't have to experience stress. And of course, like, why wouldn't you? Like, if you had the choice to live right by the train station where you hear it passing by and going every uh, few minutes uh, and you had the choice of that or being in a nice, quiet 
neighborhood where you don't have to listen to that noise or ambulances and all this kind of stuff. Let's just say like a nice rural area or, or uh, you know, a safe neighbor, safe, quiet neighborhood. You know, most people <laughs> are going to choose the thing that's less ow on your sense of peace, you know? And so there are objectively things that are uh, grating and therefore stressful. Um, for example, uh, traffic, just being in traffic and driving, uh, though one may grow accustomed to it and become relatively relaxed and at ease with it, if you think about really what it means to expose yourself to such speed of forward motion and the uh, underlying thought perhaps that like, wow, anybody at any time could, could, you know, swerve or somebody could be texting and not paying attention and turn into me. People die in accidents all the time. You know, you know, you get in your car, you know, it's always on some level, you know, it's always a possibility, but you're not going to not live your life and do what you have to do on the possible off chance that you're going to get hurt or killed. Right. But it's still there. So you're exposed to the, the constant, um, you know, even just normal everyday life stuff uh, is like stress or your, your, um, your child is not happy and they're upset or they're being really difficult and you just want them to know that you love them and you care about them, but they're always, you know, being difficult and fighting back and you got to manage that and you'd really rather not that, be, that not be the case and, and yet you, you put up with it and you endure stress. But here in lies the real gem of what I want to share uh, today. And it's funny, I haven't even gotten to the, the, the title, which is I, I wrote it down a week or two ago on my pad. And it's the words stop, drop and roll. And, um, and I thought, and of course, we, we learned that I remember learning that in like kindergarten or first grade when the, the firemen came to the school and, and, and brought us the little plastic red hats. And uh, God, I could still remember the feeling of putting that thing on. And, um, and, and, and of course, learning for the first time, what happens if you get on fire, if your fire gets on your body, I mean, learn stop, drop and roll. <laughs> think that's right, kids. And um, that just gets drilled in, right? So it's, a, it's in the context, of course, of like the best way. You don't want to start running around screaming if you're on fire. You stop, you drop to the ground, and you roll back and forth, and that puts out the fire. Okay, so we've established that. You probably knew that already. Um, but just in case anybody is not hip to that little code of conduct. Um, but I, I thought of it in a much different context, very akin to what I'm teaching in yoga and in life. And what I'm practicing in life, and actually when I, when I set out to start recording this particular podcast, as I tend to do, I don't have uh, a fixed plan or course. I let, it's like, uh, instead of trying to d direct it, I, I let it direct me. So that's what's happening right now. Um, and this idea of stress came up, right? So we're, um, uh, to, to, to rewind back to the beginning of this podcast. And uh, I know I'm kind of all, all over the place, but it's all going to come together, I promise. Um, I haven't done this for a while. And I've been really into um, kind of pulling away from just sheer got to be productive, got to be productive. as is another kind of stress, right? And I'm thinking to myself, listen, the whole point of these teachings, these human up teachings, and, um, you know, the, the 
the shows, the interviews, the podcasts, all of it is, is really about, it's not just about um, self-improvement so that you can live a happier, more fulfilled life. Sure, that's an aspect of it for sure, for sure. But there's something gravely wrong with that that incentive, which is, again, it's very myopic. It's like, just as long as I, I make myself happy, then that's, the, that's all I want. I just want to make myself happy. But we have to look deeper into what that means. We can't just say, just because we've always thought that falling in love, finding the perfect mate was going to make me so happy. And therefore I decided that's what I want. And therefore I decided, how am I going to get that? And therefore I decided I'm going to read all the books on how to attract the perfect mate. And I'm going to shape myself into this being that I think is what my partner wants. And I'm going to become that. And, And this whole time, and you actually may accomplish it, right? You may actually have the wherewithal, well, I don't want to say wherewithal, but the, uh, the ambition, let's say, and drive to stop at nothing to shape yourself into what you need to shape yourself, whether or not it feels authentic to you to become that which is attractive to your mate. This is just an example. And then you can win the girl or win the guy and, and live happily ever after is the hypothesis. <laughs> Say so if you if you get what you want, then you're going to be happy, and that's very myopic. And this is good news because I know if if I'm not very clear about this, it, it could sound like I'm taking away or robbing you of what you may be very well invested in. You may be very invested in teachers um, and and life coaches uh, and. Um, just in, th- in terms of sheer time and resources and practice, you may be very invested in what I'm suggesting is one of the leading causes of stress, which is to operate and move in your life um, from the very, we have to think about any movement, okay, any movement, uh, any action, even, and, and thoughts are actions as well, uh, speaking, but even if you don't speak, out loud, you know that you can have inner dialogue or inner monologue. Um, all of everything that you ever experience and anything that you ever do is an action. And if we look at just the sheer physics of that, every action that we might take is always going to have an incentive, a basic one. I have to go to the bathroom. And that's going to get you to stand up, walk across the room to the bathroom, open the door, close the door for privacy, <laughs> sit down or stand up or whatever you do and, and do, your, do your business, right? Um, I, want to, I want to, again, be attractive to the perfect mate. I'm going to get in my car, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to get a membership, and I'm going to get to the machines, and I'm going to start lifting those weights, and I'm going to start running on the treadmill, or whatever it might be. There's your incentive. But And and we're all operating like this, and even just ones that you there's no getting around. Like, okay, I got to pay the bills, or I'm going to be out on the street, so I got to make money, and if I'm going to make money, I got to get a job, and if I'm going to get a job, I got to, you know get the skills, you know, build the resume, get the education or apply, you know, so I'm just giving obvious examples of uh, what we're all doing 
in so many ways. I mean, in other words, every single action, big and small, has an impetus, incentive. It's got a, a motivation, right? So everything is motivation driven. Well, where a lot of these life coaches currently, in my uh, experience and what I've witnessed, is something along the lines of, you too can live a happy life. You can have what you want and equals happy. And I can teach you how to get what you want. You got to stop thinking negative and start thinking positive. Because if you always think negative, you're never going to be able to take the actions that you want to take to make yourself a better person. If you want to get up to the gym, I don't care if you don't feel like it. You got to remember that you're choosing life for you and blah, blah, blah. I'm just rapping here. You know what I mean? But like, the, it's the mentality. It's the, uh, the attitude of, I'm going to help you to get what you want so that you can be happy. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, I, I, I want that. I can teach you how to be a millionaire too. Well, with, a, with only, you know, three hours of work a week. Yeah, I want that. Bye, 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 bye. Like, give me that. Give me that. I want the information. I'm going to go to your workshops. I'm going to, I'm going to learn how to, to be like you because obviously you're happy because look at you. you. You go where you want. You live where you want. You, get, you can have any woman you want or guy that you want. You, uh, oh, my God. I want that because that will make me happy. Where I come in is to challenge that. And at first, if you're invested in that, it's going to sound like I'm taking away what you want. It's going to sound like I'm challenging you and your identity because you become identified with what you want because what you want is to be happy and you've decided that what happy means is learning the skills to get what you want. And it may not be things. You may say like, like oh, money's, money can't buy you love, right? So I'm, I'm enlightened. Because I've realized that it's not in the material, but man, I want love. I want to find that, that romance uh, and I want to, you know, and then I'll be happy. Ah, you did the same exact thing. You just thought that you were making it maybe like a higher version or purpose by not making it be about material, but making it be about love. But love in that space, in that mindset is still material that is, let's say, entrancing you to believing that once I attain this, then I'll be happy. So yes, I mean, if it, whatever your goal might be, and everybody who's watching and or listening to this, I'm challenging you for fun, because you can always go back to it. You can always say, whatever, nothing like, that's your opinion, whatever, and you can write it off. It's fine. Um, but what I'm wanting you to feel is the tremendous amount of relief that comes from giving yourself the opportunity to challenge that what you thought you want this, wanted this whole time was not actually what you wanted. And that what you actually wanted was so much more immediate, to say the least, <laughs> that... It allows you to <sighs> stop, drop, and roll from that place of peace. In other words, you're already happy. 
You're already fulfilled. But it wasn't a matter of attaining more things or qualities, uh, attaining more attributes. I wasn't fit and now I'm fit, you know, or whatever, you know, you can, you know, I wasn't flexible and I went to yoga class and now I'm flexible. I got that attribute that makes me more attractive and makes me more feel good about myself. But if you look at what that, the logic is that makes that possible, you are feeling good about yourself according to what value, scale, or context that you're placing yourself in. And, and let, me, let me unpack that a little bit because this is so, so important and so liberating. When you realize that you are measuring your worth against a learned value scale, and as varied as it may be, uh, east, west, north, south, red, blue, <laughs> white and black, man and woman, young and old, across the board. No matter what language you speak, it's the same code, if you will. And by code, I mean like no matter what computer program you're using and how wildly different each computer program is, they're all in ones and zeros. It's all using ones and zeros. It's digital code, right? Binary code. So that's what I mean. So no matter what your value scale may be on the planet, it's still ones and zeros. It's still, um, you're still measuring yourself and your worth based on the given scale of value in your culture. So if you're born in India, which caste system were you born into? And because of that caste system, which was deci decided by who? Probably the people at the, at the top of that caste system, right? If you're an untouchable and you're not a Brahmin, you're, you're worthless. You are not actually worthless. But because you are placed in that context of that society and that culture, and it's, it's um, enforced by sheer numbers of people who play along and buy into it, uh, or are just simply subjected to it so long you don't even know that you can challenge it. Jump over to America and, and a number of Western nations, I think, that are, are, are similar. But I think America is really a shining example of, think about, you know, Boys and girls, but I know that girls go through it in a, in a way that's even harsher. And maybe I'm playing it down. Okay, now I'm I'm obviously I have not experienced in this lifetime being a girl, growing up into a woman in this culture. Okay, so I don't want to appear that I'm talking as an expert on something that I haven't experienced firsthand. However, I have experienced a different version of it as a young boy, a young sensitive boy, growing up in a very harsh world and having to value myself in that context. But I'm using the example of what it means to be a, a woman, a female in this culture. And you look at the, um, the image of what an attractive woman looks like. If you type an attractive woman on Google, for example, you know, and, and how so few women actually feel that they match that. And because that's a decided upon, agreed upon uh, sort of image of attractive, 
then you're on, now you're placed on the scale of attractive versus unattractive. And now you want, of course, what do you want? You want to climb up that scale and get attractive because nobody wants to be unattractive. So what are you going to do? You know, any number of things. You might even stop eating and starve yourself to get skinnier and skinnier and skinnier to look like what you're seeing because you've got dysmorphia, which is a condition that a lot of us have. In fact, I would go so far to say we all have it, but to varying degrees. And dysmorphia is an inability to see yourself accurately. Why? Because to see is to perceive and to perceive is to interpret what's coming at you. And what most of us think is that what we're perceiving is just raw reality. But what if what you are perceiving is making its way through quite a bit of programming and conditioning so that by the time you're seeing yourself, you're actually not seeing clearly or seeing others for that matter. This is how we all objectify each other and ourselves. I could do a whole 10 episodes on that. But staying with this theme of stop, drop, and roll, which is going to be, I'm going to reinvent that, uh, that call to action, uh, or should I say call to inaction, <laughs> depending on how you look at it. Um, and this idea of stress and the, the bombardment that we endure uh, and the way that we feel victimized to it. And in reality, we have an incredible power to overcome all stress, but it has to do with developing that power. You don't just, it's just not granted. So I want you to think about all the times you've been flustered or frustrated. And, and usually it's because you want something and you're not getting it and, or you don't want something and you're getting it <laughs> or whatever it may be. You know, there's all these different variations of stress and what it really what, what yoga really teaches us, for example, these, is essentially what I'm teaching you right now is yoga. And it doesn't have to do with being on a mat, though it can, they can translate to that um, scene as well when you're on a mat in a yoga class or doing your personal practice. But just in life, life is your mat, okay? And the mind is where we have so much profound potential agency, meaning freedom to choose freedom in, in how we can think. But if we don't have that freedom, we're going to be subject to all of the programs we just sponged in as children growing up into adults. And, you know, the impressions of our culture, the impressions of our role models, impressions of our parents, uh, siblings, um, pop stars, movies, you name it, right? All of the examples. Uh, and when you see a movie, for example, that's glorifying that picture-perfect lady or man, and you think, you think it's the movie is about whatever the story is, but what it's doing on a deeper level is it's making you, it's almost like ingraining you with this idea if you really want to be loved, if you really want to be hot, if you really want to be this, if you really want to be that, if you want to be valuable, you got to be like this, this woman or this guy. And these thoughts just come in like, wow, look at how that person gets all the attention. I want attention because attention equals love. Oh my gosh, I want that. 
And there's even coaches out there and, and, and guides that will, will say, you can, you can be the center of attention and, and glorify it. And what I'm saying is, why do you want to be the center of attention? And I'm not saying it like finger shaking. I'm saying it like, really, have you asked why you want to be the center of attention? Because you're assuming that because that the sparkle of that grabbed your attention because it looks like love and you immediately decided, oh, I want that because it feels like love and I want love. And it happens so fast. You don't even realize that you just glom on to that, that, that goal, that ideal, that, that, um, standard. And then you now suddenly feel that's where it's, I'm supposed to be. And this is where I am. How do I get to that? Right now there may be versions of that. That's okay. Like, let's say you're an Olympian, right? And you want to, you want to run the mile and I don't know what the, the, the actual record is four minutes and 30 seconds, something like that, or less, I don't know. But let's just say it's four minutes and 30 seconds for argument's sake. And you're, you're running a, a, a six and a half minute mile and you're like, I want to get to that four and a half minute mile uh, and, and, and beyond. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that, that setting that goal. I mean, like, okay, this is where I am. This is where I want to go. However, a lot of a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of those goals that we create and generate. And even that Olympian's going to have to answer this question. Why am I so dead set on being the best? Is that not an important question? <laughs> and there's many answers to it. But I'm willing to bet that in a lot of these goal-setting things, we see that, that guy who's got billions of dollars... Uh, we see that person who's living the life he's always wanted and we just we go, ah, I want to be there and I'm here. Ah, ah. And, and even though that's such standard practice doesn't mean that that's healthy and okay. It's just in a way it's like, um, well, it's just like anything that's destroying nature. If you think about the way a tree grows, and there's a big, big old oak tree, right? And there's a little sapling next to it. If that sapling baby oak was looking at that big oak and like, and it was like, hey, how long did it take you to get that big? And the big oak was like, I don't know, like 150 years or something. I don't know. And the little guy's like, no, I don't want to take 150 years. <laughs> yeah. It's a silly example, but just can you imagine? And like that 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 little oak needs to be happy with that right where that little oak is, you know? And if it lives its life going, I'm not big enough, I'm not big enough, I'm not big enough, I'm not big enough. By the time it's it's 150 years later, it's like I'm big enough and I'm still empty. I still because I practiced my whole life not feeling like enough. Now that I'm technically I've attained what I want. All I know is the stress of feeling not enough. So again, stress coming in many forms. I'm feeling where this, this particular episode is crystallizing. 
is recognizing that so much of what moves us, literally moves us from A to B, what gets us out of the bed in the morning, what gets us to work, what gets us, you know, on the day to day, but also week to week, month to month, year to year, and on the lifetime scale of what we are perceiving that we're doing all this for is if you peel back the layers, if you if you shake off the trance for just a moment, don't be afraid to put everything that you've lived your entire life for in question. And I know that that's scary, especially if you've never done it, because you're gonna think, well, if I do that, I'm scared. What if I realize that my whole life is a farce? What if I realize that it was all meaningless and it has nothing to do with me? You may find that out. Um, so in a way, warning label, uh, you know, hit stop now, if you don't want to go there with me, but I'm inviting you, if you want to feel free, because I promise you, just like I had said, it's going to feel like I'm taking away everything you want at first, but what, by realizing that what you thought you want was actually stressing you out at the deepest level. And it was a, sometimes it's such a deep level of angst, uh, anxiety, stress, and worry, and insufficiency and an inadequacy that we're feeling on the deep, deep, deep level. That's so scary to get in touch with. We don't want to pull off all of the facades not the fa facades that we put on for others alone, but the facade we put on for ourselves. Can you imagine for a second learning that you've been fooling yourself for a good portion or most of your life? And then can you imagine not getting all down on yourself, but realizing that everyone's <laughs> doing that to, to different, in different ways and varying degrees? And then you ask, well, why? Why am I, why am I so driven to what I'm driven towards? And even though what I want is what I think I want, is it worth wanting? Now, this is where we open up a whole different level. This is where a lot of the life coaches stop because wanting what ought to be wanted is a whole different level. And we become, with years of practice, we become more and more dissociated and removed and alienated from that deep inborn code, our conscience. Some people call it the conscience. I, I don't like to use everyday words sometimes because they've been misused and you could hear me the wrong way. But the deep soul conscience, let's say the heart or the, you know, cause, and I don't like to separate the heart and the mind. You probably know that the heart mind it has to be one. The heart it is, is an aspect of the mind and the mind aspect of the heart. And, and it's one glorious mind. <laughs> um, side note, I'll do another episode on that, but, um, there is an inborn knowing, like when something's wrong. Just take a really, really obvious example, and forgive me if it's if it's intense, but you are walking down the street and you see an adult hitting a child. How many people are going to be walking by that and go, <laughs> "Good"? Well, maybe some. 
maybe some, but let's say it's just an obvious act of violence. Like this kid is just being beaten right there in public. I know this is an intense example, but it's to make this point very simple and obvious. How come most of us, if not all of us, we're going to jump in and save that child, right? We just, we know, I know that no matter what that kid did, did or does, that kid does not deserve to be violated and abused and hit, right? And, and if I said, well, I don't know, man, that's, that, that might just be your opinion, you know? He goes, how do you know that? There's no truth. That's your truth. But, you know, there, and we all know there's not actually any truth. You may not, you simultaneously may not know how to come back to that because you may be in the same space when you get down to it. You may actually think, wow, you're right. I really believe that it's all just opinions and everybody just has their per perspective. So if you see somebody doing something wrong, that person could, in that, in that framework, could potentially say, yeah, you may think I shouldn't be doing this, but hey, it's my in my world, in my perspective, it's fine. It's nothing wrong with it, right? How are you going to answer that? So again, so much of what I say can be broken out into its own topic, but to stay on course here with with uh, stop, drop, and roll, and and transcending stress. We all have something deep inside of us that knows that you just, you know, you know. Now, some people might call that the conscience. Some people might call it the heart. Some might people call it the gut feeling or whatever, you know. But honestly, what it really is, it's a deep inborn code that comes with all of nature. It's, it's built in. It's a law. There's a law-like quality that we have the choice to violate. We do have the choice to violate it and we violate it all the time. But there is a, a moral imperative as philosophers of old would have referred to it as. A moral imperative, in other words, uh, you know you gotta rescue that kid. You know you gotta stop that wrongdoing. You know that it's not okay to, to murder somebody. You know it's, you know, you, there's these things that we all kind of agree on for the most part. Um, we agree that is not okay. How do we know? Well, because the, like I keep saying, there's this deep inborn knowing, but what happens no matter, again, no matter what culture you, you grow up in or what language you speak or religious or atheist or anything in between, the very nature of it is alienating us more and more from that deep knowing we become less and less in touch with that in a lot of cases and in different ways so what i'm saying when it comes to back to the sense of valuing yourself um feeling valuable which is what's that that's feeling worthy which is feeling happy, which is feeling fulfilled, which means you can relax. And we're all wanting to relax. Let's say that word relax is the antidote for the word stress. You don't want to restress, you want to relax, right? So that's one way of looking at it, like in terms of the visceral, physical, you know, uh, encounter with what I'm, what I'm talking about. We, kn we know that that stress is bombarding us and literally it's, you know, 
causing us to age earlier. It's making us more acidic, more prone to diseases and all that kind of, if you look at it from that scientific, scientific chain reaction, cause and effect uh, perspective, you can see, okay, stress is not good. But then you can go about not getting stressed in a way that stresses you out. Why? And there is a simple, basic, obvious, yet hard to see science in this, which is just pure logic. If you, if your stress is coming from believing that you don't, believing that you need whatever this, this thing is to complete yourself, like I was mentioning earlier, like the perfect job or life or wife or whatever, Whatever it is that you've decided, including if it's enlightenment, because you get this idea, ooh, once I'm enlightened, equal happy, and I want happy. Me, me want happy <laughs> if I get the attribute of enlightenment, I will be happy. And there are people who capitalize on that. There are a lot of people who capitalize on that. And and that it, it, it's a deep... Um, it, it uh, infuriates me be, to see that happening because people are getting duped and duping themselves when if you just take a few moments like I'm taking with you right now to step back and look at it, you realize, oh my God, everyone's in the same business with different faces. What is that business? It's to get complete. And so now if you frame it in that light, now you've got all kinds of gurus in every field possible, but the guru that's saying, you know, reduce stress. And, and in order to reduce stress equals get happy and healthy equals feel worthy, you have to do A, B, and C, and, da, da, da. and they're going to they're give you a prescription. They're going to give you a regimen. They're going to say, eat this, don't eat that, do this breathing technique, let's do, you know, and blah, 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 right? And what I'm suggesting is before any of the, every single one of those actions are a stress-motivated action. So the pure science is if you take an action from stress, you are reiterating that stress. You are enforcing, reinforcing that stress. So ironically, so you may go to your yoga class, right? And you breathe and you stretch and you go, oh my gosh. And it took off all this layer of stress and, and, and tension in your body. And you're like, oh, and you think I did it. And now I just got to just do that every day. Oh my God, but I can't do my yoga class today. Stress, <laughs> Right. Because why? Because you're still, at the very heart of it, you're still dissociating yourself from wholeness, from value, from, from what you want. In other words, the, the, the chasm that is between the wanter and the wanted, that attribute that you want to attain, that person you want to find, the, whatever the thing is that you want to feel, and, and it's that dangling carrot principle. It's like you're running towards it. Imagine like your hand, if you hold your hand out and you start running towards your hand, <laughs> right? Like try running towards your hand with your hand out in front of you. And, and that's, that's stressful. And what I'm saying is that that's a certain kind of movement. Not all movement is the same. Think of the way the ocean moves. Is there muscle in that? Is there effort in that? No, of course not. There's no, the, 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 
the ocean isn't trying to make waves. It's also not stopping them either. And just think about the sheer awesome force of it. As Bruce Lee said, be like water, my friend. What does that mean? What is that fluidity? Well, this is where stop, drop, and roll comes from. Because when we become practiced at going after what we want, chasing our hand, we become very good at jumping on that version of action. And I'll call it stressful action, stressful movement. And we are proceeding to, if stress is a flame or an ember that can turn into a flame, we are proceeding with every stress-motivated action, we are blowing on that stress ember, that stress flame, and fanning it, fanning it, right? So something starts to feel wrong. It's like, I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to make myself, right? And I still feel stressed. In fact, in ways I feel more stressed. And you become more attached to keeping that going. And you almost become enslaved to your own regimen. Because then if you stop your regimen, then you're going to get stressed again. And that's stressful to think about. So I'm going to keep it going. And then suddenly the very thing that's supposed to de-stress you is actually part of your stress. This is pure logic, pure science, and you've lived it already. But from now on, you're gonna be more aware of it. You're gonna start to, you're gonna start to ask that question. Am I, am I acting from stress? But then you, again, you have to go, if the answer is yes, and it usually is, why? Well, because I'm acting from a place of incompleteness. I'm acting from a place of lack and i'm trying to fill this lack with what i decided would complete it fame and fortune adoration perfect partner perfect body um lots of money i live on an island somewhere um having kids whatever your your idea that equals me complete Before you take any actions, the most profound action you can take is stop. That's the first part, right? Stop, drop, and roll. Because that, the alternative, which I've been fleshing out, stressed action, is, is, it's, by its very nature is impulsive and jerky and grabs you and might even have you reacting before you had any agency to, to react or not, Right? So if you're reactive, there's another way of thinking of stress action, reactivity, not responsivity, which I'm going to use as a word to distinctly refer to a more calm, quick, rea- quick response. Quick response is very different than quick reaction. Reaction is more like an automatic knee jerk, you know, just you, you, you are already off and running before you even realized it. And that is so, that's the first thing we got to do is first thing in this rehab, because that's what I'm really asking of you is to go on a rehab here, 
rehab from stress because stress itself is a, is in a way its own form of addiction. So you can get really good at stressing and you get really accustomed to stressing and, and, and you feel cozy and at home with stress while it kills you and eats you from the inside out and leads to all kinds of, of uh, self-medicating, you know, whether that's substances, prescriptions, uh, alcohol, cigarettes, whatever it might be, eating, um, sex, uh, whatever, whatever is your version of trying to soften the blow of stressful life. You're, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of how, because you, you are definitely going to have to cope. And if you don't cope, you're going to have to suppress. And suppressing is another coping strategy. Suppressing, denial, self-facading, as I was pointing out earlier. All of these things are stressing us out. And, and again, we can get addicted to that and it can grab us before we can even say, wait, 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 wait no. Right? Just start watching your actions through the day and start studying the, 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 I call it the texture of the movement. So in my yoga class, like if we're moving, if you feel that every movement has a texture, which just like something that you touch with your hands, you know, it can be rough or it can be smooth, silky, it can be slick, it can be, you know, texture, right? Well, movements, if you really study the sensation of the movements, every movement's all day. You'll notice that certain movements have that stress quality to it, that, that gritty, you know, like you're trying to get it done. So that's the, the get her done um, feeling, I call it. It's like, it's the, 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 what you're doing, you're doing to get it over with. And if you're doing something to get over with, that is causing a, an, a resentment of where you are now and what you are doing right now. And so it has a feeling of being rushed, bumpy, jerky, um, uh, gritty. Again, these kinds of words that indicate stress. And, and so it may not be a, an obvious stress, like, like, oh my God, I've got a deadline to bring in this report today at three o'clock and I'm not, I'm not even halfway through it. What am I going to do? You know what I mean? Like, it's like an obvious, oh, I'm so stressed out. Oh my God, I've got this much time. Yeah, it's a perfect example of stress. Yes. But what about subtle stress? What about stress that you're used to? What about you get in the car and the second you put your foot on that accelerator, you, you're, you know, people are in the way. You're, uh, you know, <laughs> and I feel, I've, felt like that a gazillion times so i'm not at all that's why i can talk about it but if you study the sensation of that like you the you the person in there feeling what it feels like to be you in that moment and you just really try to objectively look at it, it was like most of that time you're going to realize god it, I f it doesn't feel good <laughs> and that's when you start to realize whoa even though i've gotten accustomed to it there's still that built-in code that goodness code that that is telling me all the time when I'm not in alignment with it. And so much about our movements and so much about what we're doing is, is making our body say, uh, no, I, this is not in alignment with nature. And you got to start thinking of your body as not separate from nature, but as obviously an extension of nature. I mean, we, we wear clothes and put ourselves in buildings and have shoes and, and all kinds of things that make us feel, I don't know, maybe even some of the subconscious drive is humans are phobic 
of nature because it's so real and so raw and so um, sexy. <laughs> and so, um, you know, some people think nature is gross. You know, if you think about nature and, you know, birth, you know, we, we and death <laughs> and urination and defecation, all these things we hush, hush, hush and push away, you know, and, and in nature you look and it just, it's all happening. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, uh, you know, nature is not ashamed of itself, but humans have, you know, we've really removed ourselves from the natural flow. So, and, and and that's a deep, deep one that you're born into. It's the second you're born, you're thrown into a onesie. You know what I mean? And and sometimes put even in a little container or crib or box. And right off the bat, we are encountering an intensely traumatizing contrast from the natural embracing womb, which even there we're not fully protected because you're so within the energetic and psychology of your mother who's holding you in her body, you're going to be feeling her feelings and thinking her thoughts and you're going to be deeply connected to that on some level. So you're already in a way getting bombarded by the world, but then certainly once you come out and you're born and then you're, you know, and you're in a car seat and in a car and zooming and, and all these things that are so out of that flow of nature, it's so jarring and so uh, traumatizing that we have to cope and we do desensitize. So we have to desensitize, but imagine desensitizing happening in so many ways, big and small for years. And so what it means to become well-adjusted to this world where it is, is to be able to handle it and not be freaking out and getting into a car and screaming your face off while you're going only 40 miles an hour, right? You got to, you got to desensitize. You have to. Um, but there's something so, so deeply lost in accust getting accustomed to um, the insane degree to which humanity has, has alienated itself from nature and the natural flow. And so what's so crazy about that is your body is so much more nature than it is machine, right? And it's not machine at all, in fact. I mean, the, it's machine to the extent that we think in a mechanical way. And we can move in a mechanical way and we're so bombarded with mechanics and machines and computers and devices and all this stuff all the time. That to that extent, we might be thinking and, and even moving in a mechanical way. But the reality is that we are in nature. We, when I say nature, I'm just, I'm meaning it on a deeper level than probably most hear it. Like you know, when I say nature, probably most people think outdoors, trees, rivers, birds, you know, whatever, like, yes, it's that, but it's so much deeper than that. It's, it's the, it's the unfoldment of everything emerging and evolving in relationship to everything else in the, in the, in the great cosmic dance of everything moving and swirling and spinning and spiraling and growing and rising and falling and birthing and dying. There's a, there's a beauty to the rhythm of it. And then here come humans and we start to go, and we start to push it away and we start to cover it up and we, and we get all, all weird about it. Right. And then we get used to that. And then what, what's pro what the problem of that is back to the point I was making some 10 minutes ago we don't know how to listen to that natural guide, that inborn code of alignment with the flow of everything.
right? And us humans now have the most difficult task ever because we are situated between, I mean, nature is no less here than it ever was. Even if you're in the middle of a city, you know, you've got the sky, you've got the air, you've got the breeze, you've got, I mean, you're still in nature, but then also surrounded by so much man-made creations, which are by its very nature, unnatural and, um, almost, uh, almost purposely in opposition to nature in certain ways, almost like a, you know, a fuck you nature. <laughs> you think of the buildings, like a big old fuck you nature, um, in a way, in a way. I think architecture is beautiful, by the way, and I think that there's really a way of it working with nature. Um, but uh, it's just obvious. I'm just pointing out the obvious, right? So, so, but I'm I'm, I'm also saying that we, we've, if we're talking about stress and being free from stress, we have got to see that that's going on. We have to realize first that we've desensitized to to our inner guide, which is beckoning us. Please stop. And here comes the drop. <laughs> the drop is what happens when you stop. So I often use the analogy of the, um, the, the stone that's skipping on the water. And I'm sure many of you have skipped a stone on the water. And you know that the main factor of that is what? Forward trajectory, the speed, the momentum. Like, and of course, the surface and shape of the rock is all important too. You need a flat surface of the rock. But the idea is that if it's going fast enough, that water is going to send the, the rock bouncing, right? Until what happens? The friction from that encounter between the rock and the air and the water is slowing down the rock as anything does. It loses its momentum. It stops bouncing. It stops and it drops. And it's that moment, the, the, all of the, that we're trying to do, all of the, all of the stressful action that we're taking, that we're used to, it requires us to, to not break the trance. We got to stay in that trance and go, 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 go. And we just keep on going in a, in a frantic sense. The river is always going, right? They're, they're, in that sense, it's just a go. It's always flowing, but it's always here. So it's different. Our kind of going is a going to get it done, going to get it over with, going to get there, which means everything between here and there is in my way. And we all experience this. I want to just get through the grocery line and get get out of here, get out of the store. I want to just buy my groceries. And now I have to stand here and wait for four other people to fumble through their checkbooks and, and, and make you know, hand coupons and take up my precious time because, and I need to go and I need to get to my car and I need to get home so I can be stressed at home instead of right here. <laughs> and, and you, if you just take a moment and look at it, it's just as simple as this. Are you, is that what you want? And the answer may be, if we're really honest with ourselves, yes and no. No, it's not what I really want. But as my actions show me, apparently I do because I keep stressing. 
I always have the option to stop and drop. But it seems that even though that's always an option, I'm always go, 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 get her done, get her done, get her done, get her done. And in that, I myself become a means to an end. My body is almost an unwitting participant in, in this frantic pace, which if you look at it, in many cases is not actually getting us anywhere faster. It's just this really myopic uh, perspective that thinks if I speed past all of these cars, I'm gonna get there faster, right? So you're stressing because for one, you're speeding and you can get pulled over. You're stressing because it's increasing the possibility of collision. You're stressing because people you know, piss you off because they're in your way or whatever. And you're, str you're literally absorbing stress as you get there quicker, quote unquote. And then you find out when you hit the red light and all the cars you just passed pull up right next to you, you're like, oh, and even if they don't and you get to the store, maybe 10 seconds later, all the cars you passed pass again. And my point is, it's only in our minds that this frantic pace is getting us to where we think we need to go faster. And, and when, when I'm, what I'm inviting you to do is to be woke about that. In other words, be aware that that's there. Don't feel bad about it. Just go, oh, yeah, I do do that. And if you are indeed done with stress life and you don't want to keep dosing yourself with that, stop Drop and roll from there. The roll means as opposed to run, chase, you know, uh, and the jerky, gritty texture of life in the fast lane that is, that is accelerating the you know, even the literal oxidization of your body and the breakdown and the proneness to disease and cancer and aging and all of that stuff. If, if you need that to scare you into <laughs> stopping, I'm happy to provide that, that imagery, but it's, it's deeper than just being scared of the worst result. Because again, we don't want it to be a stress incentive. We want it to be the joy of realizing that everything you've been looking for everything you thought you wanted. It doesn't mean that it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to stop wanting what you've been wanting, but you may be relating to it in a very different way, or it may just fall away. You may realize, Oh my gosh, I was going to the gym every single day and working out because I wanted to get muscles so that I could look hot so that I could get the woman. And I just realized that whole time I was just feeling stressed and I don't feel I'm trying to get sexy and I'm feeling less sexy than ever. Unless, of course, you're, you've bought into the culture. As I was saying earlier, you've bought into the value scale and you do feel sexy because why? Not because you actually do, but because, because you were able to make yourself appear as the thing that matches the standard. And you know that that means that a lot of people are going to be like, ooh, and that's all you need but you're still substituting what's missing inside of you now 
to get it from out there and it never does the trick. It just enslaves you to it. Because and I think about this with pop stars and, and actors and, and all this a lot when they're the biggest thing in the, on the planet for the run that they have. And then they become last week's or last month's or last year's or last decade's news and everybody's forgotten about them. And there's a new hot thing on the market, new hot, you know, actor, actress, singer, pop star. Well, and, and that person who was feeling so important and so celebrated is now like, oh, yeah, them, you know, and, and, and how does that feel? And that person, I've actually, I mean, in a way, I feel I felt badly for them in the past, but now I feel goodly <laughs> for them because now they have a chance to get over the illusion of what was killing them and driving them and glorifying this 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 inhumane value scale that's really what we're talking about here is a, is a, it's a silent universal conspiracy that where most of us are in and into upholding and met by by sheer volume of people who are agreeing to it Agreeing to these these varying value scales, and of course, it's not like exact ones that are in some kind of book somewhere. <laughs> you know, it's it's just built into the airwaves. It's built into the culture, and it comes through your brother and your sister, and your mom and your dad, and the other kids at school, and the other people at work, and the and the TV, and the music, and the think about all the things you're exposed to that have to do with the culture. You are interfacing with the whole planet right where you are so even if you never leave you know the tiniest little town in arkansas and that's your whole life there you're still getting imbued with the whole culture all of us are to varying degrees and and what i'm saying is no matter where you find yourself on the planet if you strip down the appearance level of your culture it's the same code and that code is one of trying to get to fulfillment happiness equals relaxation equals worthiness value through whatever the culture around you has decided is going to have the same essential quality of lack behind it it's going to be a sense of incompleteness that i need to i need to accomplish a b and c to attain it and we're all going to be measuring ourselves on that scale to some degree. Now, granted, I'm, I'm letting everyone be different. I'm not trying to say that everyone is the same. I'm trying to look at the universal, however, and, and recognize that we are all in the same game together. So what, what, a, what a stop, drop, and roller is, is a, is a being who's brave enough to opt out. It doesn't mean you don't go to work and make your money and do your things, but I promise you the quality of your life changes instantaneously. Everything, your health changes instantaneously. I mean, and gradually, but I mean, you can feel the effects instantaneously when you stop. And, and the drop, the drop portion for me is the breath. You know, just in terms of a very literal thing that you can do. If you just stop, deep breath. There's the drop. That exhales like the ah. And feel the ground underneath your feet. Feel the pull of gravity. 
you know, imagine like almost like energetic roots going into the earth like a tree. Like, ah, there we go. And then tip forward into whatever you got to do next. So you still go to the bathroom. You still need to go to the bathroom. You still got to walk to the bathroom. But the way that you're rolling is has depth. And even though technically walking from where you are to the bathroom is a means to an end in one sense, you are walking so that you can get to the bathroom. The walking itself becomes a part of the experience, you know, and and when you're doing the dishes, you can just hammer through them and resent the hell out of them while you do it and and cause it bombard yourself with more stress and anxiety, which means you're creating a very unpleasant experience and you're wearing and tearing yourself down and making yourself more prone to disease, death and and everything else lovely like that. When you stop and then drop and roll is something that we do again and again and again and again because you'll you'll start to develop a sensitivity for when you start to get ahead of yourself is a great way of looking at it you know, when someone says you know don't get ahead of yourself well we're all ahead of ourselves that's the whole point we're all we're all getting ahead of ourselves the norm is getting ahead of ourselves so what I'm trying to do is denormalize the norm here for you so you can see, whoa, man, all the things that I thought I wanted, all the things that I was going for and that the culture was giving me the thumbs up on because saying, yep, yeah, you're playing the game with us. Good, good, good. That was never me. That was never my natural self. That was never what I actually wanted. I just, I got entranced. It's kind of like breaking a trance, guys. It's like... And you think that it's you and so much of the things you do and so much of the things you say and there's so much of the, even the things you chase after, you realize, wow, I am literally driven by trying to complete myself from an incomplete place, which is doing nothing more than reiterating my incompleteness and making it stronger. So by the time I do attain said object of desire, it's just my incomplete self with this thing that now that I have to keep, which is a whole other stress, you know, it's just so obvious. It's so, it's making me chuckle because it's joyful for me. It's like, oh my God, I'm like saying it to you, but it's, a, it's deepening it for me because I'm realizing, my God, we all do this. And so what's, what's the alternative? Again, the first thing that you might feel is that I'm taking away what you think what you think you want. And to that extent, you may feel like getting defensive and you may feel like you want to um, unplug what I'm saying in some way. You may want to like, you know, find faults in it. And if, and if you find yourself doing that, just notice that that you're doing that because if you can really hear what I'm saying, I'm offering a perspective just by verbally expressing it that, that you might find if you're brave enough to just step into it for a moment, you might find, oh my God, it's so liberating. It's so freeing. You don't have to chase. You don't have to stress. None of us want to stress, but we get addicted to it. We get used to it. And so it's actually hard to quit the thing that's killing us. But it's, it really does come down to a kind of cultural pressure to to keep up with it and 
It is a bold move to stop, drop, and roll, as I'm suggesting. In other words, we need a planet full of stop, drop, and rollers, or at least a lot more of us. It doesn't mean things stop getting done. In fact, things get done in remarkable ways that we, we may not have seen possible because we're so used to the stress version of getting things done. So it's an amazing, and in its pure simplicity, an amazing awareness to have. The hardest thing about it is getting over what I may do another episode on I call it the yeah, but really principle. There's a part of us, like you may be with me right now, right? You may be like totally like, wow, yeah, nothing's so right. I get it. Oh my gosh. And then inevitably we all have a, yeah, but really I have to mm, go, 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 stress, 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 stress. The yeah, but really is the sleight of mind that we pull on ourselves, which even when we see it right and we feel it and we see it right in front of us and we experience it and we go, oh my gosh, this is so true. But really, uh, you know, normal everyday stress life and, and, uh, and just being used to that and just think this is just the way life is. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's a, again, it's physics. Uh, things that we do for a long time are hard to break. But it's actually not that hard to break. It's the easiest thing in the world. Like, for example, um, just, this, just today, I've been practicing it just so diligently, more diligently than ever of just noticing that impulse to get ahead of myself. And um, because what I'm trying to accomplish here is huge. I'm trying to do, I'm trying to convey so much of this. And what I'm doing still, even with this, as deep as this delivery is going, there's still a whole other deeper level that I would love for you to join me and us in learning which is really getting down to the deep underlying logic. Because once you start to get down to the ones and zeros of how your mind operates and how everyone's thinking and what makes nature, I mean, what, well, nature, but what makes hum, humans tick, what makes us, why all of these negative things are showing up and understanding why all of our attempts to make them better are dead in the water because of the place we're moving from. So what I'm saying to you is, again, it's not just about, oh, I want you to be happier so you can live a happier life and just have a better quality life and, you know, and then, and then you pay me. I, I want to uh, deliver, uh, transmit this deep awareness because um, it's freedom. It's true happiness. It's not, again, it's not, it's it's so much more important than just being less stressed. What I'm talking about is, and, I'm, and I don't like to say talking about, because again, that puts it at arm's length, what I'm attempting to embody and vocalize and be is exactly the stop, drop, and roll. The, the rehab of you know, 
it's okay to get excited. I get I get really excited, as you might be able to tell. Um, I get so excited because I think, oh my God, this is so accessible. We have in our in our reach, in a way, for the first time. Um, and thanks to the countless contributions of all of these great teachers, men and women, uh, unsung and sung uh, through history uh, that have brought us to this place now and all the technology and all that humans have accomplished despite ourselves, despite our stress, despite our perhaps phobia of nature, we have still harnessed such incredible um, capacities that I really feel that a lot of what's holding us back right now is just not being able to allow ourselves to think the simple kinds of things that I've been sharing with you. Um, I've come to over painstaking, you know, processes and years of struggle and toil to come to the most simple awarenesses, which now I can, I can get to you and you can assimilate way quicker. And that excites me. That makes me really excited because uh, the feeling is so much better than just, I'm not stressed. The feeling is the bliss of it's, it's, uh, it's not like when people usually think of bliss, I think they kind of associate it with sort of a euphoric, ecstatic, oh my God, I'm so blessed. Um, that's not really where I'm coming from. I, I'm coming from the, the, the unbelievable, peaceful feeling that comes from remembering that you are right here always and everything you thought you wanted was just a displacement of that and to really allow yourself to let go and trust because what ought to be wanted will emerge from your wholeness it will emerge from your your practicing to arrive here that's the stop again the stop and the drop is the arriving again and again because the culture is constantly saying you're not there yet and you never arrive when you're when you're practicing i'm not there yet but practice arriving practice no no matter what you've accomplished or not accomplished yet no matter if you you've always wanted that that partner you know i think of that one as a really big one for so many that's why i keep going to it like you want to find that one you want to find the one or or whatever, you know, and I know that uh, that's not everybody, believe me, I know that. Um, but is it such a common example, you know, and you may be really attached to that idea and letting it go at first may feel like, no, but, but that's what I want, but I, I can't let go of what I want. It feels like a, you're, I don't want to say like a death, but I mean, in a way, yeah, you're saying goodbye, potentially forever to something you've been attached to, an idea that you've been attached to. And you can get attached to ideas just as you can get attached to a person. And in a way, when you get attached to a person, you're just attached to the idea of that person. In a way, if you think about it. So it is a death. It is a letting go. It is a, there is a kind of, is a, there's a very, very big deal to what I'm suggesting and inviting you. I'm simultaneously saying this is a big deal. It's very difficult and scary. And it's the most exciting thing ever because you're, you're, it's about for the first time ever not needing 
not feeling incomplete and coming and flowing and moving and rolling from completeness. Stop, drop, and roll. So that's what I wanted to share with you guys. Um, but I, I, I do hope that you enjoyed going on this meditation journey with me and that it is helping you to see the obvious, the hidden obvious, um, and allowing you to consider and to think and conceive the unconceivable. The heretofore unconceivable is now so utterly conceivable, and it doesn't have to be any fancy um, practices. It doesn't have to be any drastic changes. You know, stop. We got to stop making it being about manipulating the pieces on the chessboard, like your diet and your exercise and your money and this and that. So that's it's all this chess game and, and of manipulation and and you can change. Yeah, you can change all of your qualities, all of your attributes to match your idea of what it means to be happy, but then you're just faking it. So I'm inviting you from trying to synthesize the stress that comes from trying to synthesize peace via this whole unpeaceful game of trying to complete yourself in an incomplete space versus letting that go and discovering you're already complete. You may take that as, well, then, well, then what? I'm a what's the point of life you know like and you may have an imagination of what i'm saying of what it is but i promise you it's it's far better than you can imagine because what we're used to imagining again is imagining from that place of incompleteness you can't imagine completeness from an incomplete mental process so this is yoga this is what yoga really is. And so yoga is the, is the deep, profoundly simple logic, logic science way of, of thinking as in way of being that changes the way of, of ex your life experience, the way that you feel. And we all want to feel good. But the idea of what needs to happen in order to feel good and that what good feels like is up is is in line for a huge upgrade if you can really join me on this um and that's what human up is that's exactly human upgrade it's a human upgrade um we've, we've barely begun to discover the magic of what it means to be and we are here <laughs> And it's amazing, and we're missing it because we're running, running, running. And uh, so I'm inviting you to stop, drop, and roll with me. And uh, if you if you like the way I roll, and it resonates with you, and you want to um, learn more about the science, you want to learn more about how I came to this place, you want to learn more about uh, how to... Um, how to really integrate it as a, as a natural way of being as your, as your new first nature. Cause it really is first nature. Second nature is too, um, too removed. It's first, it's our first nature. And what we got used to was our second nature, our secondary nature. It's not our real nature and we're just used to it. We're just accustomed to it. And so is everybody. So it's just sort of like this massive feeling to, 
to join. So if you are resonant with where I'm coming from and you want to learn more about how to take back your power in this deepest sense, I do one-on-one journeys. Um, I sit down with you either in person or on Zoom video, um, and we just go at your pace, and we answer your questions, and we work with your mind, uh, and we co-create the and fast forward the process that I'm talking about. If it's a rehab, you can, we can do one-on-one sessions, and I can help you rehab with such power and speed and force that you will never want to go back to that that life, a stress life. And you, for more importantly, will gain the capacity to be able to, to see it and therefore opt out and therefore arrive more and more and more. And it doesn't matter if you're religious or spiritual or atheist. This is just about being, right? You'll notice I haven't really brought in any religious or woo-woo or anything like that, really. I'm just speaking out the obvious, and that's all we need. We does, it does not have to be anything uh, out there. It really doesn't. And it doesn't have to be um, in denial of spirit or spiritual practices, it's, it's, it's uh, an upgrade to that too. So this really is for everyone um, and anyone who is ready to stop s- suffering with this stress, this bombardment, and to learn how to really arrive. And um, it's an exciting, the most exciting journey there is. And we we also need to, there's also a responsibility to, and I know that a lot of people aren't ready for this and a lot of people uh, aren't ready, not because they don't on the deepest level want it, but they, we still have to, in a way we have to go through enough suffering to get to that point where we're actually tired of it enough to say, I'm, I'm done. And then we get humble enough to recognize that we don't know it all. And then we start, then we can open up, but it doesn't mean we're starting from scratch. It doesn't mean that nobody knows nothing. <laughs> nobody knows anything. It just means that now we can really start the learning process. So I, I, I will be your guide in that. And so I invite you to reach out, go to humanup.tv. Um, and right there on the homepage, at the bottom of the homepage, you can, you can click to book. And I would love to work with you. So, um, yes, I will uh, hear you. See you soon. <laughs> Bye-bye now.